0: Welcome to the Mad Podcast. This is the place where successful business investors and entrepreneurs share their case studies of mergers, acquisitions, and deals. Please welcome your host, business investor Sean Toole. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mad Podcast. This is the place where we showcase case studies from entrepreneurs. Explaining how they source structure and close deals. And today's guest, I'm very proud to welcome Giles Button. Hello, Giles.
1: Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me on your show. Well,
0: it's great that you're here, and I know you've got an interesting case study that you're going to share with us today. So, uh, but before we, <coughs> excuse me, before we dive into it, can you please uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your
1: Background, please. Certainly, Sean. So my background is: I was classically trained in physics and business studies. Went into the field of telecoms as a systems administrator, then into marketing and managing uh, resellers around Europe. From that, I wanted to start up my own business. I've been involved in an advertising agency, so we set up a web design agency. And spent 10 years making every mistake possible in building a business. Um, got it to a good point. And then we had to do a bit of a turnaround, which I'll talk about later. And then the last 10 years, I've been helping other people and doing business turnarounds.
0: Okay, and uh, you kind of alluded to uh, some elements of what we're going to be talking about today because a uh, a bit of a different format I, I would suggest in that we're going to be talking about a business that you already owned and, and how you, you essentially turned us around. So uh, would you like to, to just tell us how you got started with this business and what sector it was in?
1: Sure, so I started in a, an advertising design agency And we were getting a lot of requests. This was way back in 99, lots of requests for websites. It was the new thing. And so we decided to set up um, an agency doing that. So we started up and we made one of the classic mistakes of we did everything for anybody at any price. So we were doing everything to do with digital marketing, websites, seo search engine optimization email marketing etc etc and for a few years we built up quite a young team but we were really busy fools and and looking back we were trying to do you know we were trying to be all things to all people and uh we weren't very good at measuring profitability so It took about 10 years in that business to really get it to a place where it was making money, it was profitable, and we'd specialised by that point in in just in e-commerce, so we're just doing e-commerce solutions. We had uh, gently let go some of our challenging customers, uh, which was definitely a lesson, and started really focusing on where we were good, so we cut down our services. Unfortunately, all that learning had come at a cost and it come at a sort of a personal cost, personal um, business financial challenges, but also we had debts. And we got to the point where we were basically swimming upstream. So we were quite a good swimmer by that point, but this, the current was, was strong. And so we had to look at alternative ways to turn the business around.
0: Okay, so, and it's it's a common uh, issue, I think, isn't it? That that, that I think there's a fear amongst business owners uh, that unless they open their doors to everyone, they they just don't want to turn any business away or, or, you know, and think that's the perfect strategy. And in some cases, maybe it works, but I think uh, what you're saying is... uh, and perhaps you could confirm this is that is it better to start out start out as a, as a niche business
1: yeah I would there's some really great books on it um, but I, I do believe that you need to find that kind of sweet spot between what differentiates you in the market what are people, customers actually really looking for and what are you good at providing and that's different for everybody and I think you know if you look at some of the really amazing success stories in the last decade of the Amazon, the Googles of the world. They all did the same. You know, Google started as just a search engine and yet it's become this mammoth company. Amazon was a book seller That's right, yeah. and that was it. And it's the same thing. So yeah, my experience was it is better to, to niche down, get good at that, build up a, a nice profitable business, work out how to, duplicate what you're doing so another lesson I had was, was all about systemization um, I think we'll talk about that later in terms of how I, when I tried to sell the business the lessons I learned
0: yeah so if you were starting out again now would it be e-commerce is that the one you'd go for
1: I think yeah e-commerce is, is big obviously with the last of the last year with the, the, um, the pandemic. There's been a huge change in retail and in many respects uh, I would love to be back in that sector um, as it would be I can imagine it's very busy and it's it's something that uh, like a lot of industries that are very young a lot of people say they can do it but it's often done very badly and uh, yeah there's there's a real difference difference between the good and the bad suppliers
0: yeah yeah for sure uh, I, in fact, I just heard about a business just a, a couple of days ago, and, and it's not e-commerce per se, but uh, it was uh, it was a butcher's business, and they package and and send through the post, uh, you know, various uh, meats, chicken, or, or beef, all this kind of stuff, and their business has gone absolutely crazy the last twelve months, you know from doing just a few hundred, they're now doing thousands around the UK. I mean, it's incredible. So I hear what you're saying when you say because of the ban- pandemic, some businesses are booming, mm-hmm. uh, but many aren't. Uh, and they're just, you know, so, I mean, I'm in construction. It's it's a little bit slower than it was, but it's still moving, you know, it's still operating and active. So, so yeah, I hear what you're saying about e-commerce. So, So who would you... What kind of clients did you have in that sector?
1: So they were mostly SMEs. Um, We were based in the Midlands, so it was was based around the Midlands. We deliberately taken the conscious decision to avoid the kind of big London companies. Um, And we were, we called ourselves a second generation e-commerce supplier. So they were typically companies that had been selling online for a couple of years. They were doing okay at it and they wanted to take it to the next level. And that's where we really excelled. So we didn't deal with startups. That was another of our filters. They had to be established e-commerce businesses. Um, typically, it was part of you know, a well-established company. And these would be businesses doing from 10 to 100 orders a day, right up to several thousand orders a day you know millions of pounds turnover online
0: wow i'm curious why you didn't work with startups is that because they generally speaking don't
1: have any cash it's not so much the cash it's my experience of startups and and i found this my my own personal experience is you tend to meander down a river with a lot of changes in the first 12 months and it gets back to this idea of most startups start trying to be all things to all men or all people and they gradually focus that so you if you're trying to build them a website they will start off saying we want x and then they want x plus y and then they don't want the x but they want the Z, etc so yeah yeah
0: yeah they can be challenging clients i think is what you're saying isn't it
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: okay so so can you give us some perspective on you know you went through this process you were kind of generic and then you kind of be, became a specialist uh can you give us some numbers to, to, to give us an idea of, of of the improvements and the value that you added through that process i guess
1: yeah so we went from a loss making company um right up to about 20 percent net profit um, so we were doing um sub you know six figures um not quite a million turnover, but we we hit a nice healthy profit by the end. It was just a case of the previous debt burden that was the problem, so as most people will know on this podcast it's you know it's turnovers vanity profit sanity, cash is king you know it was we were generating a profit, but we we're having to use all of that to pay off debts. And that's where we came a, a cropper.
0: Yeah, sure. And at some point you decided, you made a decision to sell this business or, or to certainly think about selling. What, what what
1: was that moment or what was the reason for that? So we'd gone through several steps. We'd, it, we'd got to a point where we were swimming upstream and we eventually we were going to go bust so we had to do something about it and we went through a, a cva a, a company voluntary administration creditors' volunteer arrangement sorry and we, we 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 restructured the company unfortunately in hindsight that was the wrong move we still had way too much debt and it was expensive So we ended up doing what's called a prepack administration. We bought the assets and the customers from that business into a new business. And we had a lovely, profitable business and we did a lot of restructuring. Um, But I'd found personally that something after sort of 10 years of of really slogging away at this business and, and at one point, you know, having nothing to show for it, that something changed in me. And I, I, you know, I lost the love for that business a little bit. So it it suddenly became profitable. And actually, actually, that was probably partly why I was less emotionally attached to the business. And so after a couple of years, I decided to try and sell it. And we used to do some work with other agencies. So I naturally approached some agencies and said, you know, would you be interested in buying it? And that's when I discovered about the challenges of being an owner-managed business. And the business was quite complex. It wasn't very well systematized. It was depending on me as the owner. And all of those factors meant that the value was difficult to show. And it was very dependent on me as the owner. So... When I, that was my first inroads into selling a business. Um, and it was a, a very different experience. It wasn't something I'd done before. And so I, I wasn't looking at it from the buyer's perspective. And that was definitely something I learned. You really need to remove yourself as the owner from the business. And then you can maximize the valuation at exit.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um so yeah so so what was the next step then
1: so i gradually started simplifying things i you know there was a good had a mentor many years ago that said to me only do what only you can do so i started outsourcing bits of the business that we weren't great at Um, for example in our world it was hosting very technical side of the business We started outsourcing that to a partner. And I started systemizing the business. We also started outsourcing some of the work. And that created a much simpler model. Um, We focused even more on one um, platform in in e-commerce rather than two. And it was at that point I was able to sell off chunks of the business. Rather than the whole business as a going concern, that, that process took too long. And by the time we got to kind of where it was, it was, it was better to sell it off in bits.
0: Yeah, and it was, it was a gradual thing, so as opposed to a big thump. Yeah. And, and, and you don't, so you eventually sold all of it, did you?
1: Yeah, so we eventually sold all of it. We, we then um, closed that business down um, from everything that we'd sold off and um, sort of in that time I'd started to get asked about my turnaround experience and so I started to get involved in some other business turnaround projects um, of people that had got into a similar stressful situation shall we say.
0: Yeah for sure you know I sometimes think Giles that you're your experience on this, sharing your, you know, knowledge and experience of of things that haven't gone right, but you've you've managed to pull yourself through, so valuable to our audience because there'll be some uh, listeners in that situation now, and, and you, you know by listening to this, you'd be able to help them and uh, support them. So so what uh, so what was the first? Can you share one of your projects that you've that you've helped someone else to turn around the business?
1: Absolutely. I, I, obviously, with uh, with turnarounds, you you're bound slightly with an NDA, so I can't talk uh, too specifically. Sure. Yeah. But um, there were, there were a couple of key things that we learned. You know, the first thing is, and I learned this from my own experience. An owner in that sort of stressed situation has often tried everything that they can think of, and sometimes they are really rabbits in the headlight. They just don't know what to do. They're fighting fire all day long and they can't take that step back. They're very emotionally attached to the business, to the staff. Um, You know, they they often have personal guarantees on debt. And so it's very difficult to make the decision. And so really my role as an outside uh, counsel is to completely take a detached view. And to really look at the numbers unemotionally and come up with a plan. And the first thing to assess is: Is this business a, a going concern? Is there a profitable business here somewhere? If we make some changes, or if we got rid of the debt, or um, those sorts of changes, is there a profitable model there for the owner? And then, what does the owner want to do? You know, how do we? Where do they want to get to? And often uh, an owner just wants out, they want to kind of cut their losses. But you can, you know, in, in a turnaround might be four to six months. Actually, sometimes the, the owners re energized and, and they want to sort of continue the running the business at that point. Um yeah, I, th- I
0: think once this seed it starts to get some traction and turn around, they start to feel good about themselves because they're taking positive action and they can Absolutely. see getting And then the
1: kind of love comes back, doesn't it yeah, you're right, and you're right Sean It, it is about taking action and you know uh, as the old adage says, you know any decision is better than no decision and and that is that is the case in a turnaround you need to go in, you need to take big action, you need to move swiftly, and you need to start talking to the creditors and that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I learned was you know be honest with the creditors and what you can achieve, and it won't be what they want to hear. And you might be offering them a tiny return on their debt, but actually it's better to tell them and, and be upfront and they will try and negotiate with it. And to be quite honest, I, I don't. I'll I tell, tell them I've come up with a plan. This is what's achievable and this is all that's achievable. And uh, it's better to do that than to try and bend and then disappoint them later, because then your credibility is destroyed, and yeah. they've, they've probably found that the owner's been hiding from them or disappointed them on several occasions. So it's really important that you go in with a very realistic plan, um, even if it's not what they want to hear. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've been in debt twice. What would be, uh, you know, classed as significant debt, and it is stressful. It's it's a bit of a living nightmare to be honest but uh as you said if you approach your creditors like i did and just negotiate with them what's affordable just for a a period of time to give you that breathing space to then be able to make start making decisions about how how to restructure your business and uh so so that's the that's the first step would you say is speaking to your creditors
1: yeah i'd I'd say first of all you need a plan you need to, to have a plan that you're confident in that you know Creates a profitable model. I would also suggest that you're going to want to show that you've made changes. Um, it's no good going to a creditor and saying, you know, we've come up with a new idea or a new product or we're just about to win in a contract. Creditors want to feel that they're sharing the pain with you. So if you can, you know, it is a horrible process, but perhaps you 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 would let some staff go or you're going to reduce. Your expenses—that you know—that big office. Can you make it smaller? You perhaps had to get rid of an expensive car, or anything that you can demonstrate that you've made that painful change, and therefore you're 100% behind the plan. Then you're much more credible with a creditor to say, "Okay, here is the plan. This is what we can achieve, and, and you know, let's work together on achieving that." And and kind of paint. The future picture you know what what it what it's going to be like in the future and why the creditor should continue to want to work with you
0: okay so so uh, in regards to the case study how did that uh, how did that end
1: so it was a it was a wholesale business um it was literally sort of we went in on or i went in on friday afternoon we spent all weekend working with the owners on coming up with with a plan the necessary changes um we did unfortunately have to close one of the sites and and relocate some of the staff and unfortunately let some of the staff go which is always the last thing you want to do um but it was what was necessary to protect some rather than you know everybody losing out and i think that's another lesson that's important for an owner to look at that they're always most Owners will try and protect the staff and, and that's the right thing to do. But sometimes if you're trying to protect 30 jobs, sometimes it's better to unfortunately let five go and keep 25. Um, so it was, a, it was straight in there. Um, we spent the first couple of weeks just assessing the business, talking to the creditors with the plan. Um, we'd, they'd had a, um, a factoring arrangement And that had been pulled from them. So that was a very massive dent on their cash flow. So we had to show the finance company that this was the plan. And so we had to refinance the business. We managed to do that in the first three weeks, just in time for the payroll. And we then set about systemizing and and making the business more efficient. And that's where you get into methodologies like EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system, I'm a big fan of, start to implement that. And then we could see a, a route to exit. Um, the other thing that was, was crucial is was to get in front of the customers, talk to the customers, reassure them, you know, they're often at that stage in the business, that they've often started to see problems happening. So you need to really focus on which are the profitable customers. And, and, and although it's, it seems very strange, sometimes the best thing to do in a turnaround is to cut some of your customers because they're just time drains, they're resource drains. And actually by cutting some customers, you can often cut bigger expenses. So within the three to four month period, we were able to turn around we took it from losing about fifteen percent um, to kind of five percent profit, um, and we were then able to exit the business and, and sell it on to uh, to somebody within that industry.
0: Okay, brilliant. Sounds really great. And yeah. uh, okay, so uh, did you say you had a ne- another case study of a turnaround?
1: Um, yeah, so I would say um, another case study was in um, looking at a business. It wasn't distressed. It was, it just hit a ceiling. So quite common at certain kind of points. This was a business hitting around the sort of three to four million turnover. It had grown nicely and then got stuck at that kind of level. Yeah. They were growing turnover, but they would they just couldn't be profitable. And um they felt they were profitable. But the, the classic sign that you could see was that they were increasing their debt. And, and that's the first thing that I look at, you know, what's the cash position of the business if it's not cash generating, it's in real trouble. And um another thing that you could quickly look at was the number of employees versus the turnover. So I always look at a ratio of a business should be doing 100 to 150,000 pounds of turnover for each employee. And uh, if it's below that, then there's definitely some inefficiencies. So we were able to go in, um, that was a slightly longer term project. So that was one where we implemented uh, the EOS system. Uh, we took them through one of their tools. They called an accountability chart, which looks at, you know, who do you need in the business? We did some debt restructuring um, with the CBO loans. Um, to, they had some very expensive debt. And uh, and then we looked really looked at their kind of target customers. And again, we moved them away from trying to win business at any cost and in any sector to really focusing on their ideal customer and who that was. Brilliant, sounds really great. And uh, you know, Giles,
0: your, your, your experience of IT, marketing, and your turnaround experience, um, I know there are lots of people listening to this uh, podcast. Uh, what kind of opportunities would you say
1: you're looking for right now? good question Sean so the, the way I look at it is is a good fit with a, with a person so if I'm working with a partner I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses if you look at um, certain models you often find that entrepreneurs are, are very big picture people they're great they've got a hundred ideas every day um, they love kind of relationships they're often very good at sales they're, they're good at the big picture but they really hate or they get very frustrated by the the detail behind the business. And actually, that's my expertise is the numbers, beautiful things like cash flow forecasts, operations, systemizing the business. So when I'm looking for partners, I'm looking for that kind of fit. Somebody that is the the big thinker, the visionary, that has the the, the plan and the the, the client side and I can then bring to them the operational side is where I fit.
0: okay so the entrepreneurs maybe front of office front of house sort to speak and your your back office is that is that a fair description?
1: Yeah that, that's a good description and in terms of when we're looking at businesses you know I'm somebody that likes to dig into the numbers to look at the kind of valuation model, um, so again, it may be somebody that's really great at building connections and talking to you know, owners that are looking to sell a business, but they, they don't like doing the numbers. Um, and I'm a, I'm a numbers man. Yeah,
0: <laughs> a numbers man, I like that. So, so would you say you're sector agnostic or, or is there only specific types of uh, sectors that you want to work in?
1: I'd say there's definitely sectors that I'm much more experienced in. You know, IT businesses, whether it's hardware or software, SaaS businesses. Agencies is another sector I look at. It's marketing, digital, print, design. Um, and then what I call business services. So businesses where they might have a specialist end product. So they might go and service something, but they will have a bunch of employees and they will have an operations function. Um, so th- those—that's what I look at: business services, IT, and agencies.
0: Brilliant, fantastic. Well, I'm sure you'll get people contacting you on that basis. Now, uh, I always ask for some words of wisdom for budding investors that are looking to to dive into buying businesses or even turning them around if they've got their own. So, so what kind of what kind of uh, information would you want to share with them what kind of advice would you would you uh, share with those people
1: that's a great question Sean so kind of a couple of tips that I'd say is if you're looking to buy a business but you've never run a business find somebody that has because you don't want to be learning about how to run a business and learning a new business the second thing as I'd say is if you come across a business or If you are in a business that has built up debt, take action, take action soon um, and take big action. Don't just try and chip away at it. The next thing I'd say is when you're looking at a business or if you're running a business, it's really important that you work on the business. We've all heard the expression work on the business, not in the business. And it's very difficult to do when you're a hands on entrepreneur but I would really say how important it is to take one day a week away from the business and really work on the business. It will give you a really good clarity and that's the time to spend on systemizing a business. So th- th- those would be my top, top tips.
0: Well, that's brilliant Giles. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing your case studies and your wisdom on today's uh podcast. Um, how can, people get hold of the numbers man,
1: Giles Button. Um, so to get a hold of me, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Giles Button, um, or my website is gilesbutton.co.uk. Um, that's uh, Giles with a G and Button as in Cadbury's.
0: <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, thanks again. And uh, I'm really glad you came along today and, and shared, shared your case to this. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Sean. Great talk. Thank you for listening to the MAD podcast. Feel free to connect with Sean on LinkedIn or search Sean Tool on YouTube to keep up to date with mergers, acquisitions and deals.
1: We'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.